Hi all, and welcome to episode two of Healing Hearts and Minds. I suppose I'm keeping that name for the moment. Um, I guess what's on my heart really is, uh, <laughs> for whatever reason, I just feel like I need to kind of maybe spread it out over a few episodes, but complete to the extent that I reasonably can my my story and uh, my hope being that you know it'll spark something, uh, some memories, some questions, conversations, whatever that might be. Uh, but I see, you know, I guess I feel like if I'm gonna, uh, if I'm gonna ask people to be on an episode and, and share their stuff, then, uh, the most respectful thing I could do is, is at least put myself out there first. So to pick off, pick up where I left off last week, um, discovering that, that truth behind becoming the right man, um, you know, really what it, what it boils down to more and more, uh, with more and more clarity is it, it's not so much about becoming something I wasn't as it is about, um, about unbecoming a whole lot of stuff that, uh, that I'd taken on, you know, the, I guess what boils down to the lies I was told, um, by my family, by society, by, um, all the people around me who loved me and, and those who didn't, you know, as I was growing up and, and really what's most important about that is not so much uh, what I was told or what I was shown even, but what I came to believe, what I agreed with uh, in those, those stories, those beliefs and those values that were, that were passed along to me, you know, in all fairness, when I was little, and, and just in that sponge place that, that little kids are, you know, I didn't have much in the way of filters and, uh, <clears throat> truly didn't have a lot of, a lot of options, but to believe what I was being told and being shown about the world, about, you know, how, how, what my place in the world might be. And, um, but as I got a little bit older and I, I think, you know, especially into my teens and even early twenties, there was a whole lot more choice involved in that. And I was so caught up in, in these fundamental beliefs that I'd adopted that I'd really somehow I'd hit a point of, of not even questioning them, you know, it just, uh, or if I did question them, it was really, it certainly wasn't a scientific approach. It was more an exercise in, uh, finding evidence that, that my beliefs were true and, and were still, you know, lining up accurately with, how the world was and who I was in it. Um, it's a, it's an interesting phenomenon. I think the, the reason for the, uh, the whole scientific model, the scientific approach to investigation is simply that very human trait that we have. I believe we all have to some extent, uh, you know, where we come to a belief and then we start looking for evidence to support that belief where in reality, in a perfect, in a perfect scenario, we'd, you know, we'd come to our beliefs by finding evidence of them, you know, sort of the opposite of, of a true scientific method, but be that as it may, it, it is human. And I'm certainly, I, I don't even aspire to be any better than human. You know, I think, uh, really a, a whole lot of my life has been an exercise in, in just trying to reach the, the lofty level of, basic human being, you know, just, just a guy with some, a little bit of integrity and character and, and, uh, and some things about me that define me, you know, that I can love and I can hold on to and, and, uh, you know, really, 
lean into and live out, you know, walk out. So, um, gosh, becoming the right man or being the right man. It's a funny thing. You know, the, the, uh, I, I sort of referenced in the first episode, at least briefly, <clears throat> the, uh, the masks I wore and, and this, this feeling of almost being a, a facade of a, of a human being. And, that wasn't something I identified with at the time I was doing it. I, I wasn't, it, it was all I'd ever, it was all I'd ever known. You know, I learned very early on that, um, one of my very earliest beliefs is, is that the, what people thought of us, how people saw us, uh, was way more important than who we were. Um, you know, how it looked like we felt was way more important than how we felt about anything. And that there was just a certain way we wanted others to view us and that's just how we, we were. And by we, I'm talking specifically about my family. And this is something that had, had been passed on from generation to generation for who knows how far back. Um, and, and the thing is, these are, these are kind and loving people. These were not people that uh, in any sense of the word had set out to, to harm me in any way. And I, and I don't carry that perception with me. You know, the, these were people who were doing their absolute best to prepare me to deal with, um, the world as they perceived it. You know, they were doing their best to give me the, the, uh, to equip me, you know, with the survival tools and the, and the attitudes and outlooks and beliefs that, uh, that they believed would be most successful for me. That would give me the best shot at a, at a happy life. And, the thing about learning how to be happy from people who who don't know how to be happy themselves at the end of the day that's just not possible you know i can't uh, i can't transmit something i haven't got and i can't teach something i haven't learned uh, any more than i can be someone that i'm not uh, the best i can do is pretend you know the best any of us can do if if we're not living some at, at some level of authentic uh, place in 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 ourselves or with ourselves is throw on throw on another mask. So, you know what I believe today. What it really I can't even say I believe. What I know today is that we were created in God's image, and as such, we are creators. We are created to be creators, and I am. 100% the creator, the architect of 100% of my own little corner of the universe. And that's basically everything that exists inside this roughly hula hoop shaped and sized circle around me, my own little environment. I'm 100% responsible for. I take full ownership of that inside and out. I own my thoughts. I own my feelings. I own my decisions, my choices, my actions, my outlooks. Um, I absolutely take ownership of what I put out to the world, even when I don't do exactly what I want. You know, even when I when I feel like I have those moments where I slip and my and my outsides don't act, uh, don't accurately reflect who I am on the inside. That you know, the the best I can do with those moments is is recognize them, take ownership of them, do my best to write them. You know, as quickly as I can. Um, and, and, you know, move forward with life, hopefully having less of them, you know, being, being able to stay more authentic and more transparent, I guess is the term I'm looking for. 
and transparency to me means I get to be the same person uh, in the grocery store, uh, on a car ride with someone, on a car ride without someone, when I'm at home, when I'm at home alone, when I'm hanging out with my kid, when I'm talking to friends, I get to be the same person and have the same beliefs and the same values and the same motives and aspirations. I, I get to put the most authentic version of myself that I have available at that time at the deepest level I have to offer out to anyone and everyone around me who, who has any desire to, to take part in that. And I love that. I truly do. I value that probably above all things in my life. Um, certainly more than money. Um, you know, I think that, I think this life, what it boils down to is, is ultimately it's about relationship. And, and again, I, I want to qualify that. I don't necessarily mean the Romeo and Jet Juliet style, you know, the romance and the um, take your breath away, sweep you off your feet stuff, you know, that we've fallen in love with and we glamorize as a culture. I'm, I'm talking about relationship at its most base uh, root form. And, and again, whether that's a relationship between my son and I, between my employer and I, between a, a romantic partner and I, it really is irrelevant. Um, what I have to bring to the table is, is truly the best version of me that I, that I have to offer at that moment. And that's an ever changing, ever evolving, hopefully always improving thing. So that's my fundamental belief about, about this whole, this thing we're doing this, this thing we call life. Um, you know, as, as I've shed more and more of the baggage of my own childhood and, and guys, I, I, I want to be clear. I, I had, I had a rough childhood and I, I think a lot of us did. Um, the external stuff, the, the, you know, the environment that created those internal feelings are pretty irrelevant because they can vary so much. And there's so much, uh, you know, I've heard, I've heard what I think is, is a, vastly worse stories. And I've heard stories that just seem like, gosh, they'd be a dream compared to what I, what I lived through. But the reality is none of the external stuff really means anything. It, it's the internal impact and, and the, the beliefs and attitudes and outlooks that we take on about ourselves and around about the people around us. That's what counts. And you know, what it, what it takes to, to shift one person versus what it takes to shift someone else is, is really truly irrelevant. Um, it makes no difference. Well, you know what those outside circumstances look like. Um, but I do want to say that I, I for sure have heard vastly worse stories. You know, I, I can say for sure that I grew up, uh, I, I never truly never had to doubt whether my mom loved me. You know, I knew I was loved. I knew I was, I was cared for. Um, you know, I've had to, to really learn about what love is a little more as an adult. And I, and I really view it as a lot more of a verb today than a, than a, than just a feeling or a label. And I guess in some ways it wasn't always, uh, it wasn't always played out in my life as a verb. Um, and by that, I, I guess I specifically mean, I, you know, I believe that a kid, any kid should feel safe, should feel secure. Um, I don't know that I was in a lot of truly unsafe situations as a kid, but I do know that I, I have a lot of memories of feeling unsafe. Um, 
one thing I will share, and, I, and I'm really not into, you know, sharing the, the war stories or the horror stories uh, because I'm way more about solutions than I am about cause of, you know, the causes or the problem, quote unquote. But this one's kind of important to me and it's just on my heart to, to get it out there. Right. Um, you know, I came into adulthood. I, I can't say I, I ever really didn't believe in a God, you know, that there, that there was some sort of higher being out there. Um, but I'll tell you what, when I, when I first got sober, I could not even hear the word Jesus without just, I, I don't even know how to, cringing. I, I got, I got so tense. Um, and it was literally a PTSD response and it was one that I was unaware of at the time. I didn't understand what it was, where it, what it came from. Um, but where it came from was literally uh, some religious abuse that I went through as a, as a real young kid between the ages of four and six which are so such important years. They're real formative years for kids. And, you know, the, I, I was in a broken home. Um, my mom had a desperate desire to be with someone. I think, I think a big part of that was wanting, you know, that father figure for her kids. And, uh, I can't blame her for that. You know, I do know that she did the best she could, but at that time she was a single mom and she was leaving me in the, in the care of a, uh, child care provider who, in the name of Jesus, pretty much beat the crap out of me. <laughs> and this is, you know, this is someone I can understand today as being probably a very hurt, very lost, wounded soul, you know, and, and even have a little compassion for her. Because I don't, I don't believe she was fundamentally evil. I believe that, uh, that she was earnestly pursuing some sort of relationship. And I, I think that uh, she was also probably doing the best she could with what she had to work with. And I, I have no idea what her, you know, what her wounds were, or what her story was. Um, I, I don't have any real reason to believe that she was out to harm me either, but she was uh, central to some of my earliest um, feelings of, of abandonment, of being unsafe, you know, unwanted and loved, uncared for. Um, I was a real sensitive little kid. I mean, let's face it. I'm a, pretty sensitive 49 year old guy. So, you know, I certainly wasn't less sensitive at between four and six and I got my feelings hurt real easily. And, um, you know, beyond just the, the physical stuff that that's ultimately what really happened then is I, I got my feelings deeply hurt and I didn't know how to deal with it. I didn't know how to, how to, I didn't really have the tools to work through that. And, um, I think it was something that, here's the thing. I don't even know how much of it I was truly even able to share with my mom, but I, I do, I do have some vague memories of trying to talk to her about it. And I think it was just more than, more than she could take on at the time and more than she was prepared or able to, to face or deal with. And again, you know, looking at that from an adult perspective, it sucks, but I get it. I get it. I know how overwhelming it can be to be a single parent. Um, I've been one since, since 2008 and it's a tough job. It's a real tough job. So, you know, I, I, my preference is to look at those times and those people and those experiences from a spirit of forgiveness and love to the best of my ability. And, and, you know, that's just what works for me. It just does. Um, 
holding on to resentments and bitterness and angerness is it absolutely does not it doesn't do me any good you know I, I one of the things I identified in myself early on was this uh, almost desperate need to hold that pain close even long long after I could even consciously identify what the pain was I was holding on to what its source was what the specifics were there's something in me and I think something in a lot of us that has this, this fascinating belief that if we hold the pain close, it's going to somehow protect us from, from being in that pain again, you know, being put in that situation again, maybe it'll help us see it coming. Maybe it'll help us defend against it. And the reality is holding that pain close, just, just kept me from ever being able to leave it behind, you know, and grow through it and get to the other side of it. And, I just, I, I choose not to live my life in that place anymore. It's a very fear-based, counterproductive existence. And one which I, I simply can't feel useful to anybody, myself or anybody else, um, when I'm in that place. And, uh, and I, I guess I take a lot of personal responsibility for, for putting something positive back out into the world. You know, I was, in my own mind, I was a taker, um, for a long time. I, I brought very little of value to anybody's life and took everything I could. Uh, you know, I, I'm not that, I, I'm not saying I, you know, killed people and robbed banks and, you know, I wasn't like my, my life was a real life grand theft auto game, but it was, uh, it was certainly not what it is today. You know, my first thought was never of, um, you know, how am I impacting the lives around me? It was, it was all about how are the lives around me impacting mine and what do I need to do to feel okay and feel safe and feel loved and feel, you know, all that stuff that I, that I just didn't feel. I didn't get as a kid uh, in spite of the best intentions of so many people in my life. So that's essentially kind of my operating code today, I guess, is where can I be of value um, to myself, to my God, to the people around me, you know, to God's other kids. And, uh, there's so much more to that. I think that I, you know, I don't know exactly how much of me I'm supposed to share. <laughs> I suppose probably until people are tired enough of hearing about it, they start volunteering to get on the show with me. <laughs> but, uh, um, but I know that that was a real fundamental important part. And I, I didn't want to leave it at, at, uh, you know, the, the place where I left off in the last episode, um, as far as the journey to get to this place, you know, my journey into a closer relationship with my creator has always been characterized by God kind of flipping me around and standing me in front of a mirror. And it's the strangest thing is every time I, I seek to know him better, he shows me myself at a deeper level. And what I've discovered is, is that the more that I can see me to the best of my ability through his eyes to, to see me in a loving, kind, you know, forgiving, understanding, compassionate light, the more I'm able to accept him into my life and into my heart. And, and it's kind of like package deal, you know, it's, um, it's very much like any other relationship. I think there's so much truth in, in this, uh, what I really honestly kind of gotten sick of hearing this kind of cliche Thing we, we pass around about how you can't really love someone else until you learn how to love yourself, you know. 
I hate to say it, but it's so true. It really is. It's just so true. I didn't think I'd ever admit that. Certainly not to whoever knows how, how many people are going to listen to this, <laughs> but it really is true. Um, I love to love people. I, I truly do. And, and the more I can, the more, the deeper I can get into that relationship with God and, and, and a relationship with me, I'm so much better equipped to be in, in a relationship with others, you know, and again, this is friends, coworkers, the grocery store clerk, the guy at the gas station, you know, whatever, whatever, whoever that may be. But always I, I have an opportunity. Well, not always. I, I guess we're somewhat limited by what someone's able and willing to receive, but I'm frequently presented with opportunities to bring something of value to another life. Sometimes it's something tiny or something tiny to me, but it might be huge to them. Um, my, my biggest job, my biggest focus today is just be aware, you know, be aware, be available, um, be real. I'm not always in a wonderful mood, but I have a job that, that tells me I have a purpose that tells me there are things that it's okay to run around spreading things like love and joy and faith and hope and forgiveness and happiness and, you know, those things. And there are other things that it's totally okay to experience, but I don't want to necessarily share them with the whole world. You know, I have, um, and those are the tougher times. Those are the times when I do get caught up in a, in a fear, uh, in, in an anxiety of, of one kind or another, um, in a resentment, anger, which to me is always, it circles back around. It's rooted in fear always. And I do have go-to people in my life that are, uh, you know, they know me, they know me at depth and I know that I can go to those people and I can, I can get that stuff out there. Um, and, and not have to fear dragging them in with me. You know, I'm not going to convince them to buy into my crap. And I think those relationships are so critically important. I, I get to be that person for, a number of different people, close people in my life. And, and a lot of times it's those same people that get to be that person for me as well. You know, um, it, it's just an amazing thing to be able to on any level of f freedom to be able to freely give and receive love is such an amazing, powerful, potent force. And, and it's, it's something I'm just so immensely grateful for. So I'm going to cut this one off and I would assume probably move on to episode three here sooner or later. God bless. Thanks.